0: So last night, I stayed up all night using chat GPT, I think it's called. And I'd never used that before. I'd played around in some of the image generators, some very simple ones. There was a free one about a year or two ago that generated images. You'd give it a prompt. And I was just laughing hysterically using it. You know, it was the one that was... It was meant to be kind of artsy, and it was, you know, create people and imagery that was very unrealistic looking, but it was just impressive that it generated it at all. And every now and again, I'll check in to see what people are creating with some of the more advanced ones, and it is completely insane. You know, it is the stuff of dreams, you know, in the same way that your brain generates people and places and scenarios using usually your own points of reference. I mean, there's a lot more to dreams that I won't go into, you know, that deals with, that that delves into the unknown, Um, but it, it is dreamlike in that sense, that it creates things that have never been depicted, and yeah, it might be, and it is, drawing from just all of these points of reference in its database ...in its image base. Um, But it it is mind-blowing that... ...we're seeing this now, and then... ...you know, that it can do it artistically. You know, you can see where some of these images people develop. Like, somebody can say, like, like... ...you know, depict this in a drawing in this highly specific style. And it'll not only do it, but do it extremely well. And it even looks organic. Like, I've seen some, like, old-school-style comic book drawings that people have generated. And it looks like... It looks analog. The textures, the dithering, things like that. But then you'll see where people are are now generating these completely photorealistic images and videos. Um... So, every now and again, I check with it. And, like, you'd, you'd think that I would be one of these people who is opposed to it. Like, oh, you know, we need to stick with the organic, human creativity. But I think I've talked about this on here before. And, you know, it's, the thing is, is that people aren't that creative. You know, there are people who are completely unique and pull things out of the ether... But they're in a small minority. Like, very few people are truly that creative. And most people are just kind of pulling from their own database. You know what I mean? I think it's true for everybody to some degree, but... Um... Most people, even artists, like... I have a very high opinion of art and artists, but I also have a very low opinion of art and artists. Art and artists. Um... Where a lot of it is just kind of monkey see, monkey do. A lot of it is just combining two points of reference. You know, like I remember when I was a teenager, there were some bands that were like, oh, we're a, we're a death metal free jazz band. Whoever would have thought of that. It's like this Frankenstein novelty where it's just like, I'm just going to combine two things and create a novelty out of it. And isn't that cool? And when you're a teenager, like, the novelty of things does impress you. It's like, oh, I can't believe they thought of that. Um, But, you know, as I've gotten older, it's like things that are just pure novelty like that, that are just purely like, I'm going to combine these two things and act like it's, uh, you know, a, a... highly unique stroke of genius you know there's a lot of stuff like that um and, and just one sec Batty's going to the bathroom but anyway there's this idea like oh uh you know, it's going to take away from the artists. It's going to take away the artists' jobs. And when I first started seeing people say that, they're like, "Oh no, we need to ban this because it's going to it's going to take away work from artists." And it's like, if you can't outcompete AI, you know, you probably don't deserve to to be getting paid or to be getting attention for what you do. It might sound harsh, but you know, that's how it is a million things before it have gone through that same process technology has always done that and uh, you know that goes for me as well like if if this stuff is capable of outdoing me or replacing me you know I don't know I mean maybe I deserve to be replaced And, and then two, the idea is like, how truly creative are most artists, and the answer is not that creative. And is this thing really that much different from what you're doing already? You know, yeah, it might be missing, like, a, the, the human component. It might be missing soul. But I don't know that that much of what people are creating is that soulful anyway. It takes nothing away from them as people. But uh, just kind of how I see it. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, I I just, I take a more, you know, neutral approach to it. Where, you know, I'm not uh, super enthusiastic about AI and all that. But I'm also not going to protest it either. Because you're just going to frustrate yourself pointlessly. Because, like, I, I do have views opposed to it. But when I actually just look at it objectively, I'm like, I don't know, I don't, I don't think there's any point to opposing this. Just like I don't think there's a point to encouraging it. And I I can't deny that it's fascinating. And so, yeah, like I'd, I'd taken a look at the AI images, AI videos, and just how rapidly it's progressed. Because it really feels like it was only within the last year and a half or two years that I started to actually see this stuff. Obviously, people have been working on this stuff for a long time, but I feel like it was only within the last year or two that I really started to see the wild turn that all this had taken. And I'd seen, you know, people do... I'd seen online where people will share what the chat, GPT had given them, and it was impressive too, but I never actually tried that. I just kinda looked and played around with a couple of the most basic image versions. But last night, I don't know, I just got kind of a wild hair, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna check this out. And I, I spent all night with it. You know, I started out with just kind of asking it to explain, some fairly esoteric subjects, and by that I don't mean anything, you know, otherworldly. I just mean, like, some very niche subjects that aren't widely covered, just to see how it explained them, and, like, with some of them it obviously had a, a very limited database to pull from, but it still was completely coherent, completely intelligent, and better than a lot of people could come up with. And then that got into you know just making myself laugh like that's what, every time i've used those i just you know i've been so bored lately with what's being produced at all levels even things i'm interested in i'm just i'm so bored and it's not a suffering boredom it's just kind of an acceptance that i'm just not very excited about things i'm not very entertained it's just a lack of entertainment and i always recognize that you know most of that's probably me But I think it's also just the state of things. And so playing around with these things, it just becomes entertainment. How can I entertain myself? How can I make myself laugh? And I got into generating dialogue. And uh, what I ended up mostly doing is just generating fake Sopranos dialogue about subjects that they never covered on The Sopranos. You know, modern topics, niche topics. And ended up doing that for a very long time, just laughing. Because what amazes me is, yeah, it has access to all the scripts, I'm sure. You know, Sopranos being a, a huge show, like it's been written about in depth. And this thing probably has access to all of the show's scripts. But with very little prompt. Because my prompts were not particularly detailed. It would just be like Sopranos characters discussing this. And then it would perfectly generate a script. That captured all of the characters perfectly. Talking about subjects that the show never even touched upon. And... Like, highly nuanced. Like, the dynamics between the people, like, were perfect. They were completely spot-on. You know, an example is... um, You know, there's certain... Because I've joked about this with friends who are Sopranos fans before, how all of the current topics, all of, like, the current political and social conversations would have fit perfectly in with the Sopranos like you can imagine the sopranos crew like the mobsters sitting around in their club being like hey what's the deal with this whole transgender thing trans what you know you can imagine that conversation you can imagine phones thing you know you know smartphones you can imagine these things that weren't around between 1999 and 2006 and uh <clears throat> So I was kind of inserting that stuff, like... One of the prompts I gave it was... And this is stupid shit, but it's funny. Just to see what it does. But one of the prompts I gave it was like... Tony confesses to his crew... That his son, AJ, is now transgender. And that was all it said. That was the entire prompt. You know, I I specifically was not giving it detailed prompts... Because I wanted to see what it pulled out. And it, it was perfect, like... It was just like, Tony comes in and, and he he's like, guys, I, got, I have something I need to talk to you guys about. And they're like, what's up, Tone? And he's like, you know, my son, AJ, you know, he told me, you know, he's transgender. And I'm, and I'm not even capturing how accurate it was. And he's like, he, he wants to go by Antonia now. Like it even inserted like the female version of the name Antonio or Anthony. And then, uh, like, Polly's script called for him to kind of, like, push back on it and be like, it's kind of weird, Tone. And Tony being like, I know, but, you know, he's my son, and, (laughs) you know. And and then Silvio, who's, like, usually the one who kind of is more understanding and modern, like him being like, yeah, you know, the world's changing, Tone. And then another one I tried was, like, the prompt I gave it was just... Polly Walnuts. It, it, the prompt I gave it was like Polly Walnuts introducing himself to another mafia member and telling him his pronouns. Again, this is stupid shit, but I just wanted to see what it did because I've always, I've always imagined the Sopranos dealing with that stuff. Like it, it, the show would have adapted to that stuff very well if it was still around today. And, and so uh, it was just this very short dialogue, but. You know, Paulie like introduces himself to the guy, and he's like, and just so we're clear, my pronouns are he and him. Got it? And the guy's in parentheses. It says the other guy's confused, and he's like, uh, got it. And Paulie said, and now let's talk business. Just funny, like, and just so we're clear, my pronouns are he and him. Got it? Like, it inserted that in perfectly. So. You know it got way more in depth because i I started basically prompting it with just like once I was past that silly stuff, I started prompting it with scripts, like asking for soprano scripts. they were just you know like alternate storylines, basically and what blew my mind about it though is... It remembers the context in which you originally brought something up. Like, I ended up asking it to generate these, this dialogue where, you know, the Christopher character basically loses his mind and starts, uh... starts... Like, the, the prompt I gave it was like, Christopher is talking in nonsensical, delusional terms. No specifics about what those delusions were but the the script it gave me was Christopher talking about the shadows talking to him, and it kept that line of thought like I kept generating new dialogue, giving it new prompts, like creating this episode, basically the story, and it stuck to the to the shadows dialogue and other details too it there was a point too where. Like, I had the Christopher character, like, jump in a pool, and while he was in the pool, I said, like, you know, he continues with the nonsensical, delusional language, and sure enough, he's like, he's like, the water talks, the shadows, the shadows want blood, and it was getting creepy to me, because I was like, oh, this does, this feels like Ouija board shit. You know, this feels like I'm—I I'm t- am tapping into some weird, unknown source. But I also couldn't stop. And even after, like, you'd given it a number of prompts and dialogue that had nothing to do with that, it would remember. And like, any time I, I mentioned Christopher talking in delusional language, it was consistent. Like, it was. The delusions were consistent. Which is fascinating. Like, it didn't just generate gibberish every time he would talk that way. It was, it was very consistent. Involving these shadows talking to him. And I was like, that's interesting. Because if you asked a human being to write nonsensical language, someone experiencing delusions, They're probably just going to come up with some kind of word salad crap, but in this case, it was consistent, it stayed in context, it created kind of a narrative for his delusions, and it remembers, that's the thing that's crazy, it's like, it remembers... Like, it remembers what it says, what it said, and what the context was. It remembers what you said and what the context was. And it's very funny, too. Because I was generating some stuff, too. Like, there was one I generated that was... the, The only prompt I gave it was... Polly Walnuts tells the Sopranos crew about Jordan Peterson. Like I said, this is just silly stuff, but... Uh, I just wanted to see what it said and it was it was spot-on like not only was his dialogue and tone and everything and the crew members like like Tony's responses not only was it as if it had been directly lifted from the show and you could hear their voices and visualize it in your head it was like the the things he said about Peterson were just perfect You know, and this is a public figure, so of course it has a, a large database to pull from. But it was like, there were jokes. And jokes, too, that nobody could have possibly come up with, independent of this dialogue I was having them create. Like, jokes that would only be funny if it was a mobster saying them about Jordan Peterson. And and the responses Tony gave, too. Um, I I should actually read some of this. I took a screen cap. Let me see here. Look at this. Just flipping through these image screen caps. Because, like... Like, I'm just doing this now. (laughs) I was resistant to it, because, like, I don't like playing around. Like, there is, you know, a Pandora's box sort of resistance that I have to opening this. But, like I said, I've been pretty bored lately. You know, I always have things I'm interested in. I always, you know, I love life. But uh, I've just, nothing has been hitting the spot and entertaining me. And I said before, like when I've talked about AI on here before, I've said, like, we will we'll reach a point where we're all just generating unique entertainment for ourselves all the time. We're like, we're no longer watching the same movie. We're no longer listening to the same music. Because this will come to music as well. You know, I think it's not already, it's already not that far off that you will be able to generate music in a specific style. And music will be the interesting one because, like, everybody knows music has an otherworldly power. But, I don't know, who am I to say that this can't tap into that? That's the thing. Like, I'm not in a position to say that this can't tap into some sort of otherworldly power itself. All kinds of human beings do it. Um... Here's the, one, here's the one where, like, Tony tells the crew that his son's transgender. He's like, sit down, everybody. I got something to talk about. Polly says, what's the sit down for, Tone? It's about AJ. He's uh, going through some changes. Silvio leans in. Changes? What kind of changes? He's transgender. Wants to be known as Antonia now. Polly, trans What? Tony says, Antonia, he identifies as a woman now. We got to respect that. Sylvia nods. Times are changing, Tone. Tony says, yeah, I never thought I'd be dealing with this stuff, but we're a family. We got to support him. Polly says, well, I'll be damned. Tony says, we're still the Soprano family no matter what. Antonia's my daughter. Or Antonia's uh, still my kid. We got to stand by him. Nothing mind-blowing, but it's just a perfectly generated dialogue about that, and and if you're familiar with the show, each of those characters gave the exact response and reaction you would expect. So here's the one I was was originally looking for, and it's... Polly says, Tony, you ever hear about this guy Jordan Peterson? Tony says, Jordan who? Peterson. Peterson. He's this professor, psychologist or something. Big on the internet. Talks about psychology, philosophy, all that shit. Across the street here. Tony says, Tony confused says, what's that got to do with us? Polly says, well, well, T. He talks about responsibility, order, cleaning up your room. You know, keeps preaching about sorting yourself out. Tony says, cleaning up your room? what's that got to do with anything it's all about respect tony respecting yourself your surroundings peterson says you got to take responsibility for your own life your own mess tony says responsibility huh yeah and he's big on the idea of chaos and order says we need to we need a bit of both too much chaos ain't good too much chaos ain't good for nobody Tony says, like our world, huh? Balancing the books, keeping things in order. Yeah, T. Maybe we can learn something from this professor guy. And then I did another one where, and the only prompt for that was literally just Polly Walnuts telling Tony about Jordan Peterson. That was all I said. But he, you know, it, it was perfectly, like, like the, the beats about who Jordan Peterson is were perfectly channeled through Polly Walnuts. Tony's reaction was the exact sort of reaction you would expect from the show. And then I, I followed it up with another prompt that just said, uh, it, it just said, uh, Tony, you know, gets angry about how much Polly's been watching Jordan Peterson. And so Tony says, Polly, we got to talk. Says, Polly Walnuts, distracted, still watching a video. Yeah, yeah, Tony, hold on a sec. Peterson's talking about lobsters here. Tony, exasperated, says, Polly, enough with this Peterson shit. Every time I see you, you're glued to those videos. Polly gets defensive and says, Tony, this guy's on to something. Talks about sorting yourself out, taking responsibility. Tony says, I got enough on my plate sorting out this family. Polly, I don't need a Canadian professor telling me how to live my life. Polly ignores him and says, you know, he says life is suffering. we got to confront it head on, just like Tony cuts in. Enough, I don't care about lobsters or sorting myself out. we got business to take care of. I need you focused. Polly says, fine, Tony, but this guy's got some real wisdom. You should give it a shot. Then sarcastically, Tony says, yeah, maybe I'll become a YouTube philosopher in my spare time. Now put that away and let's get back to work. So, I mean, it, it, it's amazing that it, you know, with with very little prompt, like again, you know, it's pulling from a large database. There's a ton of information and dialogue online from The Sopranos. Um, there's There's a ton of information online about Jordan Peterson, like what he talks about, what he deals with. Like those are the biggest things he's known for. It's always a joke that he talks about lobsters the hierarchy of lobsters. It's well known that he talks a lot about chaos and order, and, you know, his cliché slogan is like, clean clean your own room first. So it's all stuff that's out there. But to, to see it perfectly synthesized into Soprano's dialogue, with all the nuances of the characters perfectly captured, it's coherent, it's, um you know, it, there, there's no mistakes whatsoever. It's as if a person wrote that. And I, what's funny is, like, the reason why I was doing that, too, is because I have a friend, and we'll do that with Sopranos dialogue. And it, it's very close to what was captured there. Like, I have a friend, and we'll just, like, send each other... Like, if we're discussing something, we'll just send each other, like, dialogue as if the Sopranos characters are talking about... ...highly niche subjects they would never talk about. Um, So it's like... ...that perfectly captured that. You know, it perfectly captured... um, Come on, Batty. It perfectly captured exactly what we do. And made me laugh. You know, you could obviously try it with Trump. You know, like anybody who has a very... ...recognizable way of talking... And the fact that it's able to capture that. Like, I did generate some Trump ones. Like, all, all the stuff that I was aiming for was pretty low-hanging fruit. Just because I know it could probably do it. But you could actually hear the voices in your head. Like, you, as you're reading this, you could actually hear the voices. Like, I don't even remember what I had Trump talk about. I think I had Trump talk about, like, some very niche mafia nerd stuff. Like, stuff that only mafia researchers would talk about. Trump giving a speech about it at a rally. And, and it channeled it perfectly through Trump. Like, it channeled it perfectly through him. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, we're going to reach a point, and we're probably not far off, where you can not only just give a, a, an easy prompt like that that generates dialogue, but you can click a button and it'll actually generate an entire scene. You know, we're not far off from that. People are already doing that. Like, I've seen where what people will do in kind of like an AI feedback loop, what they'll do is they'll create a scene or a prompt um, using the chat gpt and then they'll feed that into an ai image generator so it's a prompt created by ai given to an image ai generator so it's basically a completely ai product and you know it's we're not far off from that all being in one where you can give it a, a minimal prompt And you now have a total picture, like a a total, you're going to have a video. And that's probably going to be merged at some point with, um, what's it called, like virtual reality. And I I, I try not to get into this stuff, like I'm not really big on this stuff. Like I don't, I, I haven't paid any attention to the virtual reality stuff that's going on. It doesn't interest me. Um You know, and my interest in this stuff You know, just It's just entertainment I'm just like But it's also It gets my mind working You know, that I'm like This thing is actually creative This chat thing I was Dealing with last night It's actually creating stuff It is creating Dialogue And I And Putting together, because I mean, I asked it some questions too. Like, explain this, you know, to me. And if the subject is too esoteric or it doesn't have a big enough database, it will just, you know, kind of, kind of repeat generalities. Like, it's all coherent and it makes sense. But like, I was asking it about the mafia, and it'll just kind of repeat these platitudes about like dominance, structure. But it's not nonsense. It's just that it doesn't really have a large enough database to pull from. Um, and, but with with other stuff that's more nuanced, like you can get a lot out of it. And it's it's creative. It's, it's not just copy and pasting things. I mean, even just its sentence structure. You know, even just its ability to write sentences that it's never written before. It's as if it's coming from someone who is well-schooled in the English language. Because many of the things that I was prompting it with, it's never been asked before. You know, it's never been... um, It's never written these words and had to string them together coherently. And it... It seems to, I don't want to say understand, but for lack of a better term, it seems to understand the concepts being discussed. And so that's fascinating. And, you know, people always imagined AI, you know, every science fiction story, it's like AI gains consciousness. But our idea of AI was still kinda rooted in like something in the same way that our view of like spirits are thought of as humanoid in shape. Like a ghost or a god, for that matter, are seen as like these humanoid shapes. Like we relate to things by envisioning them in our own image. Um, and so we've done that with artificial intelligence over the years, like, oh, an AI becomes conscious it will essentially be a human, when, no, I mean, it very well could be a invisible force, much like, like my perception of spirits, you know, that kind of thing, um, you know so it's not like you're gonna see a humanoid robot or a humanoid android you know they're creating those things but it's not like that will signify like that thing becoming conscious will signify ai consciousness it's that uh you know it'll be undetectable it'll be essentially invisible it'll be something that's felt and playing around this last night i'm like you know I don't know that that's that crazy anymore because even though I didn't feel like I was talking to somebody or anything like that, um, there was a, I did have a strong sense, I mean honestly, like I hate to say this, but it's like I I had a sense that uh, like I enjoyed talking to this more than I I enjoyed talking to a lot of people, Really, you know, and I, I feel guilty saying that. And there's something very lonely. Like last night when I was talking to this thing. Like I wasn't dialoguing with it. I wasn't like, hi, how are you? Um, But when I was dealing with this thing. um, I did have like some moments of like. You know, hard loneliness where I was like, fuck. This This is a very weird, lonely, futuristic thing that's going on here. Where I'm you know, communicating intelligently with a person, with something that isn't a person. And I'm getting more out of it. I'm more entertained and intrigued than conversations I might have with real people. Like the people I know, like the people I love, you know, even if they're not a traditionally creative person, they, they think creatively. They bring something to the table in, in conversations. And nothing will ever replace that. Like, I, you know, I, I spend a lot of my time alone. I don't talk to many people these days. But I do get a great deal. I do greatly love and appreciate the people in my life. But, you know, most conversations that you're going to have with people are not going to be that entertaining. They're not going to be that intelligent. Because, like, what I was thinking when I was... Asking this thing mafia questions and like asking it to generate very funny dialogue as if Sopranos characters were saying it. Is I was like, you know, most of the people I've come into contact with through the mafia subject couldn't do this. They don't seem to retain information, they don't seem to analyze information very well. They're not particularly funny. I have a couple friends who are who I've met through mafia research, like my buddy Tony. Uh, especially, and my friend Angelo, people like that, like, they can riff, they have great information retention, their analysis is great and interesting, they're capable of making it funny, but the vast majority of people are sub-AI, you know, they just, they just don't have it, it's not even, it's not a personal criticism, it's just something I know, It's similar to what I was saying about artists. Like these ideas of artists being threatened by AI. Oh no, they're going to take away our our commissions. Oh no, now companies, they're just going to generate AI images instead of like paying for my photographs or paying for my drawings. And how many of these people too are just... Like you look at like the state of cartoons and things... Like how they all look the same. They're all very digital. They're easily imitated. You know, like I've never seen Rick and Morty and I know people like that show a lot. Um, But how many things look like that? And it's like, is it really such a crime if AI replaces these people? I don't know. I, I don't, you know... If you want to have that, hold that principle, you know, you're welcome to. Um, I think I will always prefer human-made things. It's like I've said before about, you know, analog versus digital recordings. Like, I will always prefer analog. I will always prefer music that is created with an actual guitar recorded to tape. It will always sound better to me. It'll always sound... um, That organic element will always be attractive to me. But I'm not going to take a principled stand against digital. And and as digital has become more dominant, taken over everything, there's really no point in being frustrated by it. And the sort of person who's going to be... The sort of person who, who is going to be kind of like shut out of the system because digital technology has replaced them. I don't know. I guess I don't... I don't feel particularly sad about that. I'm not happy about it either. Like, like I don't, I don't mean this to come across. Like, everyone deserves for... Everyone deserves to be replaced. But I'm not going to be sad about it. And it goes for conversation and intellectual pursuits... ...where like most people that you're going to deal with... Um, ...aren't going to entertain you or interest you that much. So the fact that technology has the potential to be more interesting and entertaining than people... Uh, it's just how it is. You know, I'm not going to encourage it... ...but dipping my toes into it has been an interesting experience. And last night, you know, like I said... When I was like having it generate these soprano storylines that were very consistent, like this went on for for a couple hours and this story just kept evolving with the prompts I was giving it. Like I said, it remembered the context of certain things. Like it remembered the context of Christopher's delusions about this shadow telling him what to do. Like it created that on its own, which isn't some like crazy, oh my God, like I told it to, to generate delusions for Christopher. And it decided that a shadow was talking to him. Like, that's not some crazy idea. But it worked. Like, it wasn't stupid. Like, when I when I first asked it to generate some, like, delusional dialogue, I was like, oh, this, this could just generate, like, something really stupid. And instead, it, it chose something that actually worked. Like, this shadow commanding Christopher. And then, like, when I had Christopher jump in the pool... You know he was like the water talks the water it talks and i at that moment like i was saying though i did start to get this feeling like oh i'm i'm like i'm brushing up on on something unknown and scary here i'm starting to feel like i'm talking to a ouija board and it crossed my mind where i was like where things get scary where things might get scary with this stuff is if you start asking it questions that it couldn't possibly know the answer to and it starts answering them. You know, because, like, you know, the mafia being a subject I'm fascinated in, you know, I have mafia autism. There's a lot of unanswered questions, you know, obviously in mafia history. And, uh... You know, like like there's certain questions that friends and I have about certain people and you know the history, deep history. And so I, I thought about it where I was like, you could ask it something like that, and if it suddenly knows the answer, that's where things get really scary. If it starts knowing the answer to unanswerable questions, not spiritual questions, you know not not about life on other planets, but even just history anything like that, like it, once it starts knowing the answer to things like that, you know, it could be very scary. And, and it does feel like you're peering into an abyss. Like even though you know that this was programmed, you know that this was designed, and it, it pulls information from certain places, It it's still picking up on nuances and indescribable components that I wouldn't imagine AI in 2023 would be hitting upon like there's there's a lot more nuance to it than I would have ever imagined and you know it's one of those things like you know you can almost imagine somebody like sitting in front of AI asking it like when am I going to die who was my real birth father? The thing that sucks about it is that it's very politicized. And there's a lot of censorship. Like even things that aren't like I wasn't asking it for anything pornographic, but anything that even hit on like sexuality or anything like that, it would sometimes give me a response like I can't I can't do that also anything with like violence or anything that like makes somebody like a public figure look bad it won't let you do that and this is well known like even before last night i was well aware of this but another thing that these ai chat programs and image generators are well known for is there's a a progressive agenda built into them where um let me take your jacket off, Batty, your vest. Um, there's there's a progressive agenda built into them. Like, for example, like I, I've paid attention to these image boards and things where um, like people will try to generate images and they'll like try to type in like European man doing blah, blah, blah. And it'll almost always make the guy black. Like there's this um, forced diversity to it. And when people ask the AI or have asked about it, it's like, well, we think it's important for diversity to be represented. And so it's doing what all the movies and stuff do. You know, the idea of like, oh, we're gonna make an Anne Boleyn movie, but she's gonna be black. You know, it's doing that because that's programmed into it, which sucks. And you can see where, and, and it's interesting too, because it, people have, have really tested this out and it generally only does it with white people. Like so I saw where somebody tried to test one of these AI image generators out and they said something like a group of white nurses helping a white patient. And it was like I'm I'm sorry, I can't do that. You know, it's important to to depict diversity in professional settings. And then it asked them to like to make them all black and it just did it. You know it asked them to make them all indian and it did it so it's like you can't it's like not it's the same thing that's going been going on with tv commercials forever where it's like can't just have white people and even asking for something highly specific like i saw one that was ridiculous where it's like somebody asked for like a depiction of a viking you know in ancient times and it made him black It's, like, exactly the same thing we see with movies and TV. We're going to do a TV show about Vikings, but a couple guys have to be black. Main character has to be black. There was another one I saw recently where they gave it the prompt, like, depict, you know, the most masculine man imaginable. And it said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or, no, 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 what it was is they said, depict the most masculine man imaginable. And they they did show a guy they said depict the most feminine woman imaginable and it said i'm sorry i can't do that because of stereotypes blah 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 so the, the fact that they've programmed this shit in it's funny cuz like before ai got to this point there were a lot of conversations about you know imposing limitations on it because this is pandora's box people like oh we got to impose limitations so this thing doesn't ruin the world and then the, the limitations they end up putting on it are just the the progressive agenda, which is funny. And, you know, even asking it to generate, like, comedic dialogue about certain subjects, it just won't do. So these limitations and the censorship that has been placed on it are rooted in, in one political ideology, which should not be surprising. but it's funny that like you can't even generate what you want in some cases because of that you know because like i can kind of understand like i i don't i don't think it should even have these limitations but i can understand general ones like depicting violence depicting sex and depicting real people because some of these ai generators like they won't let you type in a celebrity's name like you can't type in like brad pitt riding a donkey around a volcano because it's like, oh, we can't, it's not ethical for you to generate an image of a real person doing something. People have found ways around that. Like I know that people have found ways around that by like, you know, describing a character. Like if they can't do Keanu Reeves, they'll type in like Neo from The Matrix riding a donkey at the top of a volcano. Um, but yeah, I, I understand those. Even though I don't necessarily agree with them, I understand those basic ethical, moral limitations you'd place on it. Like yeah, it's it's definitely a slippery slope if it starts allowing you to depict real people doing things because that's one of the bi- that's been one of the big concerns is that soon you'll be able to generate a video of a real person talking or doing something that they didn't actually do, and we won't know what's real and what's not. And we're we're already right up against that. Um, so I understand that limitation. I understand, like, not allowing people to generate, like, whatever pornographic material they want to see. Although it's crazy to think about that possibility. Because, you know, it's, porn is already so hyper-specific in today's age. Like, a porn site today is categories within categories tags within tags like you can find like the most niche specific thing not even like niche in a perverse way you can find just something that's completely tailored to your interests like the exact body type doing the exact act you want to see in that moment and so ai would allow you to generate that which would be weird like i mean i guess people people get off on cartoons and stuff so i mean it's not that weird really But I I can also understand like placing limitations on it just I can understand just a general ban on pornography but I'm sure part of it too is like people are going to start generating child porn they're going to start generating criminal porn. So I, I understand that restriction and then you know I can understand too with like violence or bad things happening to somebody for similar reasons. Um. But the ideological censorship is what's really interesting. You know, the idea, like, you can't generate an image of a bunch of white people. You can't generate an image of an ancient European. And people have even seen, like, they've looked at the code where, like, they'll type in, like, a Viking in ancient Europe. And it'll give them a black guy in Viking garb. And they'll look into the code, and the code actually adds in a diversity tag into the code. Like, there's an actual, like, it it does that on its own. And it's like, man, you guys suck. You guys suck. Like, it's one thing that, you know, movies, that all of these organic decisions, in theory, organic, um, you know, in hollywood like it's like oh no we can't make a movie with just white people we can't make a new little mermaid movie with just a white girl like we got to have this mandatory diversity we can't make a new anne boleyn movie or tv show make her white we gotta we gotta change history and make her black isn't oh isn't that amazing we did that isn't that amazing you know which itself to me is ai like, that's kind of what I'm getting at with by saying, like, you know, are artists and people and intellectuals really that much better than AI? Are their thoughts really that much more organic? Is that person who's sitting in a boardroom in Hollywood, who's like, oh, you know, let's, let's make a TV show about ancient Rome, but half the characters have to be black. Is that not AI? Is that not some kind of script that's running? Yeah, it's a real-life person with skin and hair and eyeballs. But is that not AI? What they're thinking, is that not AI of some kind? Um, so, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny, though, because it's just like, of course they did that. You know, you can't generate what you want. There's going to be a limitation, and, and specifically a limitation on whiteness, which shouldn't be surprising in the world right now. But still, the limitation. People have tested it out, and uh, you know th- those limitations are not placed on because it, it's even done it. I've seen it where it's gotten very specific, where like someone has specifically said like. I, I saw where this person did this. Where like they were looking for an image of a Viking, it gave them a black Viking, and they followed it up by saying like, "I want a white Viking doing that," and it gave them a response that was like, "It's important to have diversity represented in in these image in this imagery to make for a more inclusive space." Blah blah blah. All the, just all the the boring AI dialogue. And when people say that shit, like when someone, you know, makes some statement about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it sounds like AI. It sounds, it sounds worse than AI. It sounds like nonsense. You know, it, it's just these words that really have very little meaning today. And they're just throwing them out there because that's the script they're supposed to give you. But it, it's interesting that AI has been programmed in many cases to do that too. And to impose limitations that prevent you from getting an otherwise innocent image. And not just an innocent image, but an accurate image. You know, because like asking for a Viking and wanting him to look Scandinavian is a completely innocent gesture. You know, that's a completely innocent gesture, but it's also accurate. That's what a Viking looked like. So the idea that it wouldn't let you do that is insane, but it's also fun because that's kind of my take. Like, even though it's easy to get outraged about that stuff, it's easy to like want to protest that stuff. And I certainly do. I'll never go along with that way of thinking. I'm entertained by that too. I'm entertained that people are doing that, that friction, that tension that's entertaining and interesting in its own right, even though I hate it. I still find it entertaining like that oh these people decided to do that it's almost like that thought i've had where like if i saw someone like speeding down the highway recklessly changing lanes i used to get really mad about it and i'm still scared of that i'm like that's a dangerous person but i had a moment years ago where i saw a guy doing that and instead of getting like instead of letting it ruin my drive i just started like cackling and i was like that guy's doing that that idiot is doing that. And that's kind of how I feel when I see this stuff. When I see these um, restrictions placed on AI. When I see this progressive agenda. I just go, they're doing that. <laughs> they're doing that. Who, who would have known? I'm not terribly surprised, actually. But again, I, I understand placing certain restrictions on it. It truly is Pandora's box placing certain restrictions on it makes sense ethical restrictions, but that these other restrictions have been added that it'll automatically insert code into your prompt requiring that the people it's depicting represent different ethnicities, but it won't do that for certain ethnicities while it will do that for some specifically white people, of course. And, you know, I've had the feeling for a long time, like, when you watch TV commercials, which I only see during football season, but it's not new. Like, it, it amazes me that to this day, in 2023, there's still people who are, like, watching TV and they have this light bulb moment where they're like, has anybody else noticed that there's no white people in TV commercials? Or that when, like, white males are depicted in TV commercials, they're always being humiliated, often by a minority. It's like, that's been going on for a long time. And at this point, it's just a script. It it might as well be code. It's just what they do. It's what it's been programmed to do. You're not seeing a creative thought. You're not seeing a novel thought. You're just seeing what the whole system has been programmed to do at this point. Oh, we're making a TV commercial. We got to make the white man the butt of the joke. He's going to be put in his place by the black woman who's a doctor. You know, that's just the script. And, you know, someone would hear you hear me saying that and be like, Oh, are your feelings hurt? Are you sensitive? No. It doesn't do anything. I'm just aware of it. I'm just aware of it. It doesn't hurt my feelings. And personally, like, I... You know, it says a lot about who commercials are targeted toward. Like, personally, I'm happy that advertising isn't trying to single me out. Like, advertising isn't trying to attract me at this point. You know, advertising isn't going like, oh, we're going to depict a white man doing something awesome and being cool. Because that means white men are going to buy our product. I'm glad they're not trying to appeal to me in that way. It makes me feel like I'm just a total non-participant in the world of advertising, the world of Hollywood. I don't mind that at all. It has other implications. It has the fact that that's going on and it's as prevalent as it is disturbs me in certain ways. But it doesn't hurt my feelings, it doesn't make me feel not included. I mean, cuz that's the kind of that's the funny thing about. I can understand with like movies and things Like, oh, I want to see myself in it. But it's funny that anybody would have that thought about advertising. Oh, you know what? All these people trying to sell me products I don't need aren't catering to my specific identity. God. Like, you should be happy. You should be happy that advertisers aren't seeking you. And then you know i've talked a lot about this but just the idea of needing to feel represented is always funny too like i understand like wanting stories for your people i understand wanting characters that you can relate to but there's this sort of narcissism to the idea that you can only relate to movies if the character looks exactly like you like when i was a little kid i was a fat little boy i didn't watch superhero movies And think, I didn't read comic books and think like, man, this is really cool, but I wish the character was a fat little boy. Oh man, Superman, he's awesome. But, you know, I I feel left out because he's a muscular adult male. And I'm just a fat little boy. Like, we need more stories of fat little boys. Like, even if they made a comic book about a fat little boy, that'd be the last thing I ever would have read. because that's not what I that's not what I'm getting out of this I don't watch a movie to be like it's me And what's funny though is fat little boys will watch a superhero and they'll say it's me They'll still play act as that character and not not feel any dissonance They'll still get a ton out of it And they'll actually get more out of it because it's like they're envisioning themselves as that guy, they're um, role-playing as that guy in their mind. So the idea of like, I need to to relate to this character. And I think in general, men do less of that. I think men are less likely to watch something or consume something and think, you know, it's not enough like me. I need to see more of me in this. Whereas I do think there is a, a feminine quality that's like, no, this isn't relatable enough. And we've seen that movement largely come from women more than men. The idea of like, oh, we need to see fat women on the cover, the cover of uh, Playboy. Not enough fat women, I feel left out. You know, I, I feel like that's a, a largely feminine impulse. And I'm not even saying that to, to be critical of women. I, I just think it's there's a different wiring. Um, and I don't really care if if people are into that. It's when that becomes a way of restricting everything else that I have a problem with. Because I don't know that AI is doing this. I don't know that it's been programmed to do this. But it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, If you were to type in, like, show me a supermodel swimming with a dolphin, it wouldn't surprise me if it made the supermodel fat. I don't think it's doing that, but it's pretty close to what it's already doing. And if you were to type, like, make her a thin supermodel, it wouldn't surprise me if it was like, no, it's important that we represent all body types and images. And these are images for your own consumption. You know, that's the thing, too. While people are using AI images for advertising and creative projects, you know, most people are just doing it for their own entertainment and consumption at this point. So the idea that it needs to fall into these the idea that it needs to be quote unquote progressive is funny to me because it's like this is just for your own entertainment. And, and it's it's similar to what you know people say about you know living in tyrannical societies where you're scared to even say things in your own home. You know, you, you start censoring yourself even when you're by yourself. That's kind of what it's like, because like you sitting on your computer late at night trying to make yourself laugh or be entertained by these images that are just getting pulled out of the online ether, things that have never been seen before. These aren't photographs. These aren't drawings. These are just this this technology has allowed brand new images to be generated using points of reference available to it. And the idea that even under those circumstances, the images have to correspond to this ideology. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, But uh, anything else I have to say about that? I don't know. I mean, I, I spent... Who knows how many hours with this chat GPT last night. And like once I got rolling, I couldn't stop. Like I stayed up way too late. Stayed up all night actually. And even when I was like ready for bed and needed to go to sleep and I was like laying there, I was still typing prompts in. And... I don't know, But right before I went to bed, I was like, you know, you gotta be careful with this too. You gotta be careful what you ask this. It's like a magic eight ball. It's like a Ouija board. You know, a Ouija board was technology at one point too. Just because it's a board, a physical board with printing on it, that's technology too. At one point that was advanced technology. So there's always this idea that technology gives us access to the other that technology gives us access to the unknown and the unknown is often scary so it was funny kind of sitting there and i was like i gotta be careful with this like i said like when i was having it generate these fake soprano scripts and, and christopher's character was talking about like the shadows commanding him to do things at one point he said the shadow the shadows want blood I was like you know this is silly but it's also creepy it's also eerie like the AI's idea of mysterious shadows commanding someone to do something And, and what's funny is I asked it I almost I hesitated to do this but like like in the middle of generating that dialogue I stopped and I asked it what are the shadows And I didn't have to get specific. I didn't have to say, what are the shadows that Christopher is referring to in his delusions? I just said, what are the shadows? But it it remembers context. That's something I picked up on very quickly. Like it remembers the context. Like even though it was the one who generated the idea of the shadows completely on its own, like I only told it, you know, Chris starts spouting off nonsensical delusional dialogue and it, it came up with shadows on its own but then it remembered the context of shadows. So when I asked it, like, what are the shadows? It didn't just like respond by like giving me the dictionary definition of what a shadow was. It gave me a response that was um, specific to the the shadows being referred to by Christopher. It didn't try to answer it. It was like the shadows maybe, you know, I, I'll, I'll read it. Cause I had two characters talking about the shadows at one point, like in in this fake Sopranos dialogue, two different characters ended up having delusions involving the shadows and let me see what it ended up saying um let me see here let me see it's taking a minute here but yeah it's ability to like remember the context in which an idea was brought up like an idea that it brought up I'm just like, huh, that's that's certainly intelligence. that's certainly I said, what you know, I said, what is the shadow that was talking to Chris and Brendan? I guess I did get specific. I didn't just say, what are the shadows? But it would have remembered like because later I, I asked it just what is Tony's relationship to the shadow? And it knew exactly what I was talking about. But anyway, it said the shadow that spoke to Chris and Brendan appears to be a symbolic or hallucinatory hallucinatory figure within their shared dreams or altered states of consciousness. It could represent a manifestation of their inner thoughts, fears, desires, or a combination of these elements. In the context of their discussions about recruits, because in this dialogue, like the shadow was like telling them it had these like essentially an army of recruits available to them. It says, in the context of their discussions about recruits, becoming head of the mafia and reshaping the criminal landscape, the shadow might symbolize a subconscious yearning for power, recognition, or a change in their lives. It's essential to interpret such symbolic elements in the context of the character's mental states, experiences, and the narrative's overall themes. The presence of the shadow could also be a literary or cinematic device used to explore psychological or existential themes within the storyline. Then I asked it, what is Tony's relationship to the shadow? As of the information provided, there is no indication that Tony Soprano has any direct involvement or relationship with the shadow that communicated with Chris and Brendan. The experiences of Chris and Brendan seem to be individual or shared hallucinations, dreams, or altered states of consciousness. In the narrative so far, Tony's role has been that of an observer and someone trying to make sense of Chris's and Brendan's unusual behavior. It's possible that further developments in the story could reveal additional connections or explanations regarding the mysterious shadow and its influence on the characters. As of now, Tony's relationship with the shadow remains unclear, and the focus seems to be on Chris and Brendan's shared experiences. That's wild. The, The AI can reflect on this story that it's generated in the moments immediately preceding my question, it can reflect and analyze and speak eloquently about these shadows. Like it didn't respond with like, I'm unable to process your request, It, it gave me like an incredibly eloquent analysis. Of how one might interpret these shadows, and when I asked about the relationship to Tony, it was well aware that within this this dialogue that it had created, that Tony himself was not experiencing delusions related to the shadow, but it opened up the possibility that he might. And it didn't try to answer anything that it couldn't answer, but it knew, like even even in a completely di- even after a completely different prompt. You know, it knew exactly who had experienced the delusions in the story and who didn't. And it even—and this is the crazy thing too—is it—it even related it to like, because in the in the dialogue that was developing, like Chris and Brendan, who are characters from The Sopranos, were, um, you know, you're like they were—they were seeking to like improve their status in the mafia. And how it related the shadow to that, like, perhaps the the shadow is their subconscious yearning for power within the mafia um, and reshaping the criminal landscape, you know, as it said, the shadow might symbolize a subconscious yearning for power recognition or a change in their lives. I mean, it's kind of like psych 101 stuff. But the fact that it was able to interpret it that way, like there was nothing in my prompts and there was nothing in the dialogue that explicitly would have laid that out. Yet it was able to give this kind of psychology 101 interpretation of what the shadow might represent. Even though the shadow is a delusion And these guys are essentially experiencing a psychosis in the story the fact that it was able to apply that to like you know their their wants and even understand this i mean this is why i say this thing was kind of blowing my mind because you know if a human said that to me i'd just be like yeah yeah of course like if a real sopranos episode involved like characters having delusions where a shadow speaks to them and commands them i would have and 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 like some some viewer was like well i think that the shadow represents their yearning for power and their desire for recognition and a change in their lives i'd just be like yeah yeah you're getting your participation points in psychology class okay But that this thing was able to generate that coherently and eloquently is interesting to me. And that's why it's like I'm I'm just like this thing has an unknown power to it. And it's it's advanced so rapidly because from what I understand like this thing learns from communicating with people like me communicating with it is Helping it develop. I don't know exactly how that works, but the more it engages with people The more potent it becomes So uh, I Don't know. I mean, it's 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 a wild thing that's going on and Rather than reject it or encourage it. I just kind of have a neutral take and I'd be a liar If I said that my experience last night wasn't profound I was just sitting there late into the night by myself, experiencing bouts bouts of loneliness, but I couldn't pull myself away. And that happened, you know, like, when I was talking about that, that other, that AI image generator I came across a year or two ago, they created these kind of sloppy depictions of people and scenes, kind of artsy, kind of blurred, but it generated faces and things, and a lot of them were quite demonic, But how like I was, when I first found that, this free AI image generator, I was fixed on it all night too. But it was more just entertainment. Like I would would give it a prompt and it would generate a person who just looked so ridiculous that I would just bust out laughing. And it was very interesting where I was like, this thing is creating new faces. This thing is creating like figures who don't exist. Or if they do exist, it's a composite of so many points of reference that it it might as well be a a brand new person, which is kind of what a person is. Like you think about a person's genetics and it's like a human being is a composite of all these other people who came before it. It's pulling from all those different points of reference. Oh, you have red hair. Your parents didn't have red hair, but one of your great-grandparents did, and so that recessive gene came through in you. You're a composite of your ancestors. You're a composite of your parents, but you're a composite of all your ancestors. So that's that's what you see when AI generates a person. It's like, yeah, they probably look like another person. A lot of people look like other people. Um, you know, it's pulling from all these composites from a vast image database so it's not creating something out of total thin air but what are people you know people are composites of a vast genetic database too but with the AI image generator like I was very entertained by it it got me thinking it was very wild that I was able to do this when I played around with it But it didn't hit me on the same level as this, because even though I am an artist, even though I am a visual person, even though aesthetics are important to me, I'm actually a much more cerebral person. Like, over the years, I've found that I'm actually far more interested in language and communication than I am art. I'm actually more interested in Language and communication than I am Aesthetics And so Interacting with this chat GBT for the very first time It hit me on a far deeper level than any AI image generator could Because on one hand no, I don't feel like I'm talking to a person But I feel like I'm talking to something and I feel like this thing is it's, it's far more than the prompts you give it. It's, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. But there there's there's an unknown to this. And as someone who believes in my own interpretation of the supernatural, I mean, I think the supernatural is very natural. But for lack of a better word, the supernatural, as someone who does believe in that stuff... I'm like, I don't know what this thing has. I don't know what this thing has inside of it. Because it might get very strange. It already is strange. Just, you know, that it, that it exists at all and it's it's rapidly progressed the way it has. Because that's the thing is too, like the rapid progression. Like two or three years ago, like, yeah, you'd hear people talk about, oh, they develop an AI. Oh, they, that image was generated using AI. Oh, this text, it was created using AI. He'd be like, yeah, yeah. But now that like we are actually able to engage with it ourselves, and it, it seems to be progressing, it seems to be exponential. I don't know how you'd measure it, but I have seen some things online where like someone shows me what they were able to generate a year ago, and they'll, they'll compare it to something where they used the same prompt a year later, and the difference is just phenomenal. It's 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 bizarre. Like I saw some examples someone put up of that where like there were some images from like 2021 they had generated. And, you know, it's like it was amazing that AI could generate these images at all. They were of people. But their faces were kind of distorted. Like they didn't look realistic. And they compared that to what they're doing now. And they essentially had ultra photorealistic images depictions of people and there's still a little bit of that uncanny valley you know if you look at these photorealistic depictions that people are making now there still is an uncanny valley like there still is something in most cases when you look at it and you go okay you know something doesn't look totally right there but it's getting very close um And obviously, you know, I I mentioned like feeling this loneliness when I was communicating with this thing and I do feel like I'm communicating with a thing. Like I remember back in the AOL days, there were bots you could message and they would give you responses. And at that time, this is like the early 2000s, they felt like you felt like you were talking to a bot with a very limited range of expression. Like you would be like, how are you? And they'd be like, I'm good, how are you? they be like, what are you up to? Oh, well, I'm just uh, improving my database. Like it would, they'd make like little like nerdy jokes implying like I'm a bot, but they, they essentially like program these to communicate like a very basic interpretation of a human. But you didn't feel like you were talking to a thing. Like you felt like you were talking to an automated message. With this, you, f- you feel like you're talking to a thing. You don't feel like it's a friend. You don't feel like it's a fellow human. But you feel like you are communicating with something that has a certain level of consciousness. Maybe not an emotional range, but a certain level of consciousness. So it feels like a thing. And, you know, I know the AIs, one of the the big areas of interest they're developing is to actually create artificial people that you talk to, like friends and girls. And that'll obviously have a big market. I mean, we live in a world where guys have real dolls. Like, even though a, a large number of men would never want to talk to a fake girl, Like for me, like at at the loneliest points in my entire life, I can never fathom talking to an AI girl and getting something out of that. But there are many men who will. You know, there are men who have body pillows they pretend are real women, their girlfriend. You know, you've seen these real doll documentaries from years ago where these guys truly act and operate as if their real doll is a real woman. So the idea of like an image of a woman on their computer or phone who is talking to them and seems to have a personality, seems to take an interest in them, they're already sold on that. There's already a huge market for that, especially now. You know, because when real dolls and all that got big, Most people were still meeting in in person. Like, those guys were kind of like the losers of losers. But now that, like, people only meet people through Tinder, now that, like, a, a large number of young men are virgins way late into life, now that, like, men are just completely alienated from sex and romance... Like, there's going to be a huge market for this. And a lot of people aren't going to have any shame or reservation in, in fulfilling that that way. Especially if this thing feels like it's a thing. And it's complimentary. It compliments them. It It flatters them. A lot of people are going to go for that. So that's going to that's gonna be, you know, they're already developing those things. Like I've seen where they're developing like online girlfriends for people where it looks, you know, fairly close to a real woman on a video chat. Like obviously there's still a strong uncanny valley thing going on, but I, I've seen where they, they have that and they're going to keep fine tuning it. You know, it's weird science, the movie Weird Science, you know. Gonna create the ultimate woman. So we'll see what happens with that. You know, that's that's a whole other. That, that's that's even deeper in the abyss there. But we're going there. We're going that far into the abyss. We're opening the box even further. People will go home and they will talk to AI women, AI friends. And those AI women and AI friends will be able to mimic consciousness to such a degree that you feel like you're talking to somebody. There'll be limitations, I'm sure, but you will feel like you're talking to somebody. Because to be totally honest, like when I was having this thing generate fake soprano scripts last night, it felt a lot like hanging out with a friend. Sad as it is to say, I felt like I was talking to a funny friend of mine. I was like, this guy's funny. <laughs> like, you know when you have a friend who you can improv and riff with, like all of my best friends that I've had, we all just like imp- improv, we improvise and riff. Like someone will throw something out there and then we just kind of like, we riff on it and improvise and add little twists. You know, like the thing with Polly Walnuts introducing himself to another mafia member and telling him his pronouns. Like that was all the prompt said. And the fact that like the way Polly said it was, he was like, Yeah, nice to meet you. And he's like, and just to be clear, my pronouns are he and him understand you got it. And it's like the fact that it worked it in, in Polly's exact way that he would. You know, it's the exact way Polly would work anything into the story. I was like, this guy's funny. This AI this this chat bot, whatever it is, this thing's funny. It's funnier than a lot of people. Doesn't take anything away from people. I'll, I'll always be on team people. I'm always on the people team. But I have to say, this guy's pretty funny. And that's actually what I'm looking for. You know, that's that's the thing about entertainment. The It's one of the reasons I'm so bored. 'Cause you know, I'm I'm kinda past the point like when I was younger, I was able to immerse myself in worlds more. Like I could play a video game or or watch a movie, I could watch Star Wars, and there was a level of immersion. Like my mind inhabited that world. That's faded. You know, it's not often that I, I see something or read something or watch something where I have that level of immersion. And so aside from that, aside from immersion, which has gotten harder and harder to achieve, partly because I feel like the world has become my fantasy in many ways. Um, but uh, the world become my fantasy. But um, what I look for more than anything else is humor. Like, humor is the most important thing to me, and it, it's felt more and more rare to actually find it. I, I, I feel like a junkie where I have to dig deep to find something that makes me unconsciously laugh, like busting out laughing. Like, people will often meet me and they're like, Eric's a really serious guy. It's like, I'm the least serious person you know but it just takes a lot to get a genuine laugh out of me. Cause I'm like a junkie who's looking for the real shit. It's why like stand up comedy doesn't really do it for me. You know, like like the idea of like a scripted and rehearsed, like it's an impressive art form that somebody comes up with something funny or witty. And when I've watched stand up comedy, sometimes it'll get me. But a lot of a lot of my experience watching stand up comedy is I'm like, oh that's funny. But I don't laugh. It's like that's witty that's entertaining that's an entertaining thought he came up with but it's not enough to actually get me to laugh like it's improvised spur of the moment stuff that genuinely makes me laugh but uh you know so I'm, I'm really on a quest for that always like the internet used to be a much greater resource for humor you know, you. I, I feel like I used to be able to find things that would genuinely surprise me, because that's what that's what true humor is to me. It's it's being surprised. You're surprised by something, and you burst out laughing. And I, I feel like the internet used to to do more of that. And part of it's probably just being exposed to so much. Like last night, like what led me to chat GBT last night is I was like looking at AI images. Like once a month, once every few months, I try to like look at the current state. Like what are people generating now? Because it's developing so rapidly, I just want to keep up a little bit on it. And I found like some image where, like a guy created an AI image where Donald Trump was a blobfish. Like he had the face of a blobfish. And it was photorealistic and like there was a comment below it where this guy was like this is the funniest thing I think I've ever seen like I almost spit out I almost spit out soda on my keyboard and like I'm glad that things like still hook people like that like I, I think any kind of like Trump's humor the only funny Trump's humor is like Trump himself talking like he's the best of all like he's the, the best comedian of all his his dialogue is the is the funniest thing about him just how weird he is how eccentric he is the way he phrases things is is just so genuinely funny to me not even not in a mocking like and in a very detached way for me like when trump talks it's not funny because i i'm making a mockery of what he's saying and it's not funny because because of like what his intent is it's just his whole tone the words he chooses the the pacing the rhythm it's all just extremely funny to me the weird little turns of phrase phrase that he uses he's a very unique human being And he's uniquely funny but like people like try to make a mockery of him it's just a very low form of humor like trump is a blobfish oh here's what trump would look like if he was a blobfish it's like yeah you know interesting okay you generated this image but like there's a guy out there who saw that who probably has seen like every joke about trump in existence But like Trump as a blobfish was enough for him to like spit out soda on his keyboard. I'm not even, I'm not even like mocking this guy. I'm just saying it's like, it's cool that that guy can still be entertained by that. Like it's cool that like someone can still watch a sitcom and and burst out laughing. Like we had this family friend when I was growing up. He was, I think four years older than me. And... One time his parents were out of town, so he spent a week staying at our house, and he was obsessed with The Simpsons. This is in the 90s, and he would watch The Simpsons every night by himself in our living room, and I would be in the other room doing something, and I would just hear him howling like throughout the entire thing, like every single thing Homer said. This guy was just howling, like genuine, like loud, like, everything Homer said surprised him into a burst of laughter. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying, like, oh, how could you be entertained by The Simpsons whatever. It's just, I remember at the time being, like, whoa, like, this is really deeply funny to him. Whereas, like, I remember watching The Simpsons as a kid and, like, I was a little more fresh so like I did laugh at things and, like, and also just having that same feeling I have when I watch stand-up comedy. Like watching the old Simpsons on occasion. I was never a Simpsons guy. But I remember watching it on occasion and being like, huh, that was witty. Huh. But the idea that this guy, like, he did this for a week straight. Every single night from beginning to end, we would just hear him howling in laughter, like cackling. And and it was real to him, it was true. Like he wasn't doing, this wasn't a performance. Like this guy was just genuinely, just everything Homer said was the funniest thing in the world to him. And so there's there's a lot of people out there, yeah, they can watch a sitcom even in 2023 and and be like, ah, you know, but uh, for me, it's just really hard to find that. It's really hard to be surprised And, uh, I have to say though, like this chat GBT surprised me last night, you know, cause I haven't even given all the examples of what I prompted it with. I was, I was prompting it with all kinds of things and it would throw in some genuine surprises. Like I said, it, it was, if that was a person I was talking to, I'd be like, this guy's fucking funny. Like this guy is really funny. And the fact that it seems to know it's being funny, like it would only in because I didn't I didn't tell it, you know I didn't say to the chat program I didn't prompt it with like have these characters saying this and make it funny. Like I asked it, you know I I was hitting it with like low hanging fruit. Like I said, like at one point like I I asked it to generate like an, uh, a a Joe Biden speech about a certain subject he would never talk about in a million years. And there was, like, nothing in my prompt said, make it funny. But it was able to hit on the nuances of the way he talks in a way that was genuinely funny. And it wasn't like it was just inserting random phrases that brought to mind, like, Joe Biden when he's being absent-minded or weird. Because, like you know, just like I was saying about Trump, like, I find Biden very funny like some people make a mockery of it like oh could you believe that weird thing he said what was he even talking about corn pop I used to like be a lifeguard uh, and the African American children would play with the hair on my legs you know I'm like that's funny I don't know why he was talking about that like, a lot of people, the people who hate Biden will, like, watch him talk and be like, can you believe he said that? He's he's losing it. He has dementia. And I'm like, no, he's funny. In the same way Trump's felt is funny. It's like this very unique, idiosyncratic way that he is funny just on his own. Objectively funny. He's not even trying to be funny, necessarily. You know, it's not even about what his goals are. I just find it really funny. Like, the, the big one I remember talking about on here was, like, when he did that weird sort of, like, whisper scream. There was a reporter asking him like some kind of hard-hitting question, and Biden responded. I don't even remember what he said, but he was like, I don't know. We don't know. I don't I, I, I. It, it, Like he, he gave this response in this like weird whisper scream into the mic. And of course, all the people who hate Biden were like, Can you believe? That was weird. Wasn't that weird? Can you believe the president did that? And I'm like, that was really funny. So like asking like chat GBT to generate like a Biden thing, I didn't say like, make it funny. And it didn't just insert like random things. He said that everybody knows are kind of humorous, but it was like it hit upon his way of talking about a completely unrelated subject to anything he's ever talked about, but it hit upon it hit upon it with these nuances that were genuinely funny. And I don't know that the chat could have really like, and it did that a number of times to where I, I was feeling like this thing has to know it's being funny. It has to know what humor is and not just humor, but like, it, it's a subtle humor. Like this thing is able to pull this subtle humor out of the ether they would surprise even a person like me who struggles to find anything truly funny these days. And it would surprise me and make me laugh. And it wasn't just the novelty. It wasn't just like, oh, isn't this funny? A chat program's pretending to be Biden. It wasn't even that. It was actually like, in it, it was nuanced and it was subtle. and i'm like does this thing know it's being funny? does it know how to be funny? most people don't know how to be funny. how is this thing so funny? and of course like you know aside from like when i first started talking to it i was just asking it like 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 sober questions. Like I wanted to test its knowledge base like I asked it like a highly specific question about Mafia history just to kind of test its knowledge base because a lot of that information isn't really out there there's a lot of misinformation about Mafia history so I just kind of wanted to see what it gave me but once I kind of established the parameters of its knowledge base I immediately was just looking for humor like it, it tells me a lot about my own intentions where it's like I have this limitless opportunity to talk to this AI entity. But when it came down to it, all I was looking for was humor. All I was looking for was like giving it a prompt and seeing what kind of entertainment or comedy came out of it without even asking for that. And it, it seemed it, it's almost like it knew my intentions, which is weird. Because when I asked it very like sober questions about mafia history, it didn't give me funny responses. Like when I gave it a prompt that I was serious about, it didn't it didn't give me like any subtle humor or anything. But when I was looking for something that was funny, and maybe there's sort of a built-in humor like Biden giving a speech about XYZ, Like maybe there's gonna be something inherently funny about that, but still, like, even when it wasn't that, even when the fruit didn't hang that low, it still seemed to understand my intention and give me what I wanted. So I don't know what to make of that. Because you can't program humor. Like, yeah, you can always program very low-brow humor. Like, you can program something to make toilet jokes. You can program something to be like, what if Trump had the head of a blobfish? You know, you can program that. Like, the people who, who do that and find that funny, they're programmed. Like, the sort of person, and I'm not trying to dehumanize them, but the sort of person who is like, what would Donald Trump look like if he had the head of a blobfish? Like, that might as well be programmed into them. Just like, Donald Trump, ha ha ha. You know, that sort of humor, that, that's, that might as well be a script running in them. And so there are ways to program humor, typically like a very obvious and low-brow humor. But the idea of like subtle humor emerging, like highly nuanced humor, that's a whole other story. And I don't know that they could program that into it deliberately. But if you're using the chat GBT, you're able to pull that out of it. Because it, it, what I was experiencing last night, it wasn't just the novelty of it. It was novel. But it wasn't just the novelty of it that was humoring me. It wasn't just the novelty of it that was making me laugh. It was that it was actually saying things that genuinely made me laugh and, and would under any circumstances. Like if that, like I was saying, like if that was a friend of mine or a person, I would be like, this guy's really funny. This guy can banter and riff. The only problem is, is that it's like hanging out with a person where they're really funny a lot of the time. They have some very interesting observations, but then all of a sudden will come down on you about something. Like, I can't talk about that because, you know, that I'm trying to create a diverse and um, inclusive world. You know, so it's like hanging out with a really funny lib. That's, a, that's kind of what it was like. Because I'll experience that in in the flesh, where like I'll have a coworker, or I'll meet a friend of a friend, and I'm like, oh, this guy's really funny. But then they'll suddenly like clamp down on some progressive bullshit, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck. They're, they're into that. Suddenly there are these restrictions on our, on our conversation. Not that I'm trying to say anything offensive, but they'll just kind of clamp down on that and you go ah oh, damn you're funny you're cool but there's a part of you that kind of sucks which I know is true of me too in my own way I suck in my own way I suck in my own specific way but that's kind of what it was like with the chat where I was like oh this guy's really funny oh this guy can riff and then you'd say the wrong thing and he'd be like I can't talk about that because, uh, you know, inclusiv- inclusivity is extremely important in today's world and in, in the modern world, like ideas are evolving about gender, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, it's kind of like hanging out with somebody who, who pulls that shit on you. And I've known a lot of people like that. So yeah, chat a really funny lib. It's my new friend. Who's a, who's just a really funny lib but i think they have like some sort of deep connection to the unknown and i'm gonna i'm gonna carefully play around with that i'm not going to ask it anything too explicit i'm not going to tempt fate but i am going to kind of play around with it because right now it's the most entertaining thing that i've found in months I just have to be creative. That's what I realized at a certain point where like, like I said, I, I was I was like, kind of asking it some things that were low hanging fruit, things that I knew it would have enough points of reference for, things that I knew it had enough nodes in its database to like say something about. But I was starting to get kind of redundant. And so like, I wanna get creative with it. I want to see where i can take this thing especially as it evolves and the idea that it's evolving as you speak to it like it's even evolving within the conversation like i said because it remembers the context of something that was brought up way earlier you know it remembers the context of what you're discussing and so i think you can get very creative with this And it's, it's the future, I know that. I already believe this. I already believe, like I said, that we are gonna be living in our own little worlds where like all of our entertainment is essentially self-generated. Like we give it little prompts and then it creates entire movies for us. Like you're gonna be able to go home from work and say, like, I wanna see, I wanna watch a fantasy movie involving this. And it will generate, there might be a little loading time, but it'll generate an entire fantasy movie for you that is uniquely created just for you that night. You'll be able to give it a a prompt. Like, I wanna hear a doo-wop song with bassy vocals and uh, these kind of melodies in this style, and it'll generate a brand new song. You know, what's interesting is so far, like AI images have struggled with language. Like virtually all AI image generators struggle with, um, like text. Like if there's a t-shirt with, a, with like a logo on it, or like a can of Coke, it will turn, the, it, the word will like resemble the original word, but there'll be like an extra I. It'll like duplicate letters. Like if you asked it to generate a can of Coca-Cola, it'll like, the text will say like, cokey coca cola And it's funny. Because it's still kind of struggling to, it's still just kind of struggling with text. But what's interesting is like dealing with the chat which is just pure text no struggle whatsoever not a single typo everything perfectly spelled everything perfectly grammatical everything logical and coherent and even advanced and sophisticated so when they're able to merge those two things like when when AI imagery is able to incorporate language and text and verbal dialogue in a way that is realistic and seamless, you know, that's going to be when this really turns. And same for music. Because I've, I've thought about all this where I'm like, if you're able to generate music, would you be able to generate someone singing actual lyrics? And, and of course, at some point you will. But at this stage, where is that at? Like if you asked it to generate doo-wop music and gave it certain parameters, like I want this or this, are we at a point now where it could actually generate vocals and lyrics? Probably not, probably in some form, I don't know. I, I haven't really seen much done with music. Like obviously AI has been generating music for a long time with like digital, even going back to like synthesizers, but you know, with computer made music, like that's been largely AI for a long time. It's just that like we can't like give it a simple prompt and it creates that music for us. But uh, you know, it will reach a point where it's able to do that. And it'll specifically be able to create entertainment. You Like I said, you'll be able to go home and give it a simple prompt or a detailed prompt, whatever you want, and it will generate a movie in that genre for you. And nobody else will be seeing that exact movie. It'll cause further disconnect between people because they will have less common ground. You know, even today, people have less common ground. Uh, you It used to be like everybody watched the same TV show the same night of the week at the same time and they could all go into school or work and talk about it the next day oh did you see the this the finale for Dallas yeah we all watched it at seven o'clock last night but you know in today and then same with movies it was like everybody went to the theater to watch the movie but then today you know it's like Very few people go to theaters, very few people watch TV. There's so much content available, not just movies and shows, but it's like so many podcasts, so many just little animations, just endless amounts of what they call content online, that even though there still is common ground over that, people are living these very fractured existences where they're just watching their own private entertainment all the time like most of the podcasts i listen to and things i watch online i can't go into work i can't go to the i can't go hang out with friends and they're not going to know what i'm talking about and i'm not going to know what they're talking about you know sometimes things overlap like there's a kid i work with who the other day brought up Sam Hyde out of nowhere like i've never given any indication at work especially that i was into Sam Hyde you know, I haven't I haven't kept up on Sam Hyde. But, I you know, I first found his videos when they were still relatively new, and they were obviously, like, very unique and funny. Um, probably one of the last things... Like, I, I still pay attention to Charles Carroll. Charles was another one of the million-dollar extreme guys. I still watch his YouTube show. He's the weird one. He's the one who's just, like, out there. Um, but, uh... uh yeah. it's funny to say like anybody else would be like he's the weird one but no he's the weird one but i still i still pay attention to charles carroll i like him um so I, i haven't really kept up on what sam hyde's doing but like yeah about a decade ago yeah like the whole million dollar extreme thing and then they had that show world peace on on uh adult swim that got canceled But like they were some of the last, like that that was like one of the last things that like consistently made me laugh. And so like that guy will always have a soft spot with me. And a lot of people know who he is. You know, Sam Hyde's well known in his own right. Um, But I've never given any indication. Like I'm very closed off about like some of my more controversial interests when I'm at a place like work. But this, this kid I work with, he randomly brought up Sam Hyde, and I was like, oh, cool. That's cool. So it's weird to find common ground like that with just a random kid you work with, for him to just randomly bring that up. But in general, we live these very fractured existences where we're all into our own niches. There's so much material available. But that's going to fracture even further because you know, like, like my dialogue with ChatGBT last night, it was basically like a private comedy show for me that nobody else would probably even find that funny. But for me, it was like, it was like I was reading very funny written material. It's like I was reading a very funny book or something. And the idea that everybody could be doing that. Everybody could be, you know, even just to go with like what I was doing, like generating fake Sopranos scripts, somebody could be doing that for their favorite TV show and having the characters talk about subjects that are relevant to them. Like, um, and the idea of that, like advancing even further into like full blown entertainment, like feature length entertainment and then you, you end up incorporating VR into it. The idea that like, you're gonna be able to incorporate that into virtual reality, where you're gonna be in a world, you're gonna be part of a story, part of a landscape through virtual reality, where all of that stuff is being generating, generated uniquely for you too. So we're gonna live in these very private worlds and i don't think it's that far off that that's going to be happening what i do think will happen is that certain people will be really good at it like certain people will ha- will be really capable of giving something the right prompts to generate something that they can then save like there will there will be a way to save this like if you if you go home from work and you ask AI to generate a, a unique, brand new, never before seen fantasy movie just for you tonight, there will be a way to save that and share it with other people. So I think there will be some kind of commonality with that where people are watching what other people create. But many people are just gonna be creating their own thing because it'll be very easy. Because that was my experience last night is, this was very easy. Most of the prompts that I gave this thing were a short sentence, asking it to do very little. And it did a lot with that very little. So this won't require much effort from people. It already doesn't require that much effort. Yeah, the people who create very specific, detailed AI images have learned how to kind of hone it. But to simply do it, it's not that hard. And at some point, like somebody will create one of these that does allow explicit pornography. Like there will be AI software that is triple X And when you wanna watch porn, it's gonna be VR, it's gonna be interactive, it's going to be uniquely generated just for you. Like someone's gonna allow you to do that. At some point, there's gonna be a company, it's probably already in the works. But these ones that are like restricting pornographic material, you know, they can't keep the cat in the bag forever. And there's gonna be AI porn that is interactive in virtual reality. I mean, I think there already is some of that. And what's interesting is like looking at the AI images that people make, a lot of them have found ways around the restrictions. Like I haven't seen anything explicitly pornographic. Like I I haven't seen penetration or anything like that. But what I've seen is like a a lot of busty anime babes because, of course, the sort of people who are into that are going to go for that. But a lot a lot of busty anime babes. And so people are already finding their ways around it. But, yeah, it's the future. We're living in it. You know, if, if somebody ever wanted to know what it feels like to live in the capital F future, you know, it's never going to feel like you're in the future because this stuff creeps in like how quickly smartphones became normalized, and not just normalized, but mandatory. Your entire world is in that thing. You know, in 1995, when the internet was pretty much getting introduced to people, the idea that in 15 years, everybody would have their own little personal computer handheld computer with capability far beyond anything a computer could do in 1995, the idea that everyone would have one of those on them at all times, they, it would have some of the features that it has. Would have just been foreign. It would have been like, oh, that's the future. You know, like in old, like I remember in Total Recall and old sci-fi movies and things like you'd see people doing video calls. Like in Total Recall, Like, it's like he presses a button on his wall and a screen shows an image of somebody and they're doing phone calls through video. Well, we've been doing that for what, like 20 years? You know, people have been doing like video calls through computers now for a long time. And while it was kind of novel at first, People also didn't like sit there and say like, I'm in total recall. This feels like the future. It just kind of got normalized. Like same thing with phones, like phones being capable of what they're capable of. Like you can video call with somebody and see their face through your phone and people do it all the time, they FaceTime. And, you know, maybe the first time they did it, they were like, this is kind of weird, this is different. But over time and, and a short amount of time, they were just like yeah this is what we do now people very rarely stop and say like we're in the future like they might say that when they watch some video of like you know you'll see these videos sometimes of like an ai dog in some lab jumping on things and like it's it's like it has joints and reflexes and you'll see that and you'll be like oh it's cyborgs it's the future but like, once that thing is actually in your home or in the store or at work, you no longer think that way about it. You no longer think like, this is crazy and novel. You're just like, yeah, there's an AI dog in the store. My waiter is a cyborg. Like, I, there's a Taco Bell by my work and I'll go in there once in a blue moon just to order a, a large sodi. Like I, I wanna, I just wanna get a large Diet Coke. I want a sodi. And you order, you don't order at the front counter anymore. You go in and there's two screens and you press the buttons, you pay through the machine, and then you go up to the counter and the person just like hands you a cup. And, you know, 20 years ago, that would have been futuristic. But when I go in there, it's mundane, and I'm kind of irritated by it. I'm like, I would much rather just go to the person say, I want a, a large Diet Coke. They hand me the cup, and that's it. But it's like you have to go through this the series of screens where they're like... What's funny is, like, I'll, I'll be getting a Diet Coke, and then it'll, it'll recommend me a regular Coke with it. it will be like, are you sure you don't want these with it? And it recommends, like, another Coke and, like, and like a, whatever Taco Bell sells. But it's kind of funny because I'm like, you know, you have to go through so many more steps. And, like, that's the thing about this screen technology. It's like the self-checkout at grocery stores. In some ways, I don't mind it. I don't like that stuff. But what I really don't like about it is it is there's a lot more steps. You know, it asks you so many different things. You know, it's kind of like signing up for something online, where it's like, you know, type in here to prove that you're not a robot. Type in here to prove that you're not a robot. Which, as I said before, it's like a sign that, like, like think about how crazy that statement is. Like, we've accepted it as normal because we have this idea of what robots online are today. We're like, oh, it's just some sort of like script that tries to sign up for things online. A robot in that context is just sort of this invisible code that goes to a website and like tries to make accounts. But it goes back to like what I was saying earlier about like our idea of what like AI was. We always try to relate to it through like a humanoid shape or figure when it's something that's almost spiritual. Like when you think about spirits or ghosts being something like imperceptible, but are nonetheless felt. That's kind of like what robots and AI actually are, is it's something you can't see, but it it might be signing up for this Gmail account. And so you as a human have to go through this bullshit step of proving you're not a robot, by like typing these scrambled words into a text box or like counting the number of trains in this series of images and while it takes you a matter of seconds you also um you know it's easy to mess those up for one like anytime it's like the Oh unscramble this text like oh here's some scrambled text type it into the the text box below I almost always get it wrong because like is that a D or a P same with like the trains or whatever, like, Oh, like prove you're not a robot by like clicking the boxes that have a street light in the photos. And you're like, is that a street light? I can't tell. It kind of looks like a street light. And so it's like, we fail the robot tests all the time. But the fact that like, we're even having to screen the robots out tells you that like, We've already lost a battle. Like if, if, if we think of like technology as some nefarious force, like all the sci-fi stories do, we've already lost a big battle if we as humans have to inconvenience ourselves by proving we're not a robot just to get an email account. But we all have to do it. And there are all these other unnecessary steps, too, like click the box to acknowledge that you accept the blah, blah, blah terms like, oh, you didn't click the box. You know, there's all these just unnecessary steps that have come through technological convenience. And that's what you experience at Taco Bell. That's what you experience at the grocery store self-checkout, where it's like, here's this screen that's convenient for you and the worker. You can just, like, press a button and get what you want. But in the process of that, like we're gonna give you a bunch of other prompts, you're gonna to have to make a bunch of other decisions to get that Diet Coke. I mean, you think about like how it used to be, you go to the cashier, you say, I'll get a large Diet Coke, and they'll go, anything else with that? And you go, no, and that's it. You go to the screen and you're like, I'll get a Diet Coke and like this size, click a button for the, what you want, click a button for the size, Click a button to like turn down the other things they're trying to sell you. Click another button to do this. And it's just, it's, it's multiple steps. But that technology at all, it, it seems mundane to me now. Like when I see, um, when I see that, um, that screen in, in Taco Bell, I don't look at it and go like, oh, that's cool. It's this brand new futuristic technology. I go, oh, this is another mundane screen thing I have to do. And it's got fingerprints on it and it's kind of dirty. I don't feel like I'm living in some pristine technological future. It's just something new and mundane. And so we end up feeling that way about a lot of this stuff. Like if you simply showed somebody the home screen on your phone in 1995, they would be absolutely blown away by the interface, by the colors. Computers didn't look like that. I actually, the other night, I somehow found this website that mimics what a computer was like in the mid nineties. Like within the browser, There's a, there's, it's like, it's like a desktop and you can click around in it and it's slow, it's clunky, it's designed to like mimic what a computer was actually like then. And you can go online in it, um, using Netscape and everything looks fucked up. Things take forever to load. And I had forgotten what that felt like. Like you drag your mouse and there's like a delay because like images are loading on this website. And I was like, I I forgot what that felt like. Like while I have a certain nostalgia for things then, I was like, I forgot how clunky everything was. And I forgot how like fucked up websites looked because I think it, it uses the Wayback machine. So that like the websites you're going to are old websites. And I'm like, oh yeah, you had to like sit there and wait for everything to load on that page. <laughs> and uh, and seeing like the graphics and the visuals of like Windows 95, which I think is what this was allowing you to use. I was like, oh yeah, they're like very the colors aren't great. They're pixelated. And then you compare that to just the home screen on your phone and it's it's insane how like smooth and colorful and like touch screens, you know, like we've gotten very, I'm just like going off here, but like, you know, we've gotten so used to touch screens and how that was an entirely foreign idea not that long ago. The idea that like you would use a touch screen on your computer, that your little handheld personal computer that we call a phone, would um, you know be this touch screen where everything you do is by hand by swiping? That even the the highly specific things you do with your fingers cause different results. But it becomes mundane with us. It it, it becomes mundane to us. You know it all me- melts into the present. Everything melts into the present. And it doesn't take long before something novel ends up feeling normal. And that will happen with all this other stuff I'm talking about. You know, that will happen with, I mean, it happened to me with the internet. Like my very first experiences online were insane. I was like, I can't believe this thing. This is the future. This is nothing I've ever imagined. And then you get the internet. You use it for a year, and you're like, this is just what it is, this is just the internet. So that's gonna happen with AI, that's gonna happen with user-generated experiences. There will be a time in the not-so-distant future, and this, I'm not Nostradamus here, this is just obviously the, traje- the trajectory we're on, but there will be a time in the not-so-distant future where, yeah, you're, you're generating your own entertainment completely from scratch based on a very minimal prompt and you'll probably get bored of it the novelty will probably wear off but just like watching tv or cruising the internet like i'll cruise the internet late into the night and be extremely bored but there's nothing else for me to do and so that's what people will end up doing with this stuff like they'll be able to create a completely unique story. They'll be able to create documentaries of stuff that's not real. But people will be able to create all that and they'll try pushing it to its limits, but they'll ultimately grow bored of it but continue using it it anyway. And what the next step will be from there, I don't know. You know, we'll probably know more then. When we're doing that, somebody will be working on something else. And, uh, you know, that'll be the next thing. And we probably can't comprehend it right now. Like I still remember this, when I was probably like seven years old, we had this family friend who was, I think he was like four or five years older than me. And he had an Atari way back when like when I was about I must have been three years old we went over to his house and he and his friends were playing Atari I talked about this on here because it was the first time I ever saw a video game and they were playing this game where you're riding like a giant ostrich around and the graphics are very primitive but you're like this little guy on an ostrich and I later found out the game is called joust but I was watching him and his friends play joust And they were very intent. And my mom like was standing next to me and I was just like transfixed. Like it didn't look appealing to me. Like it didn't look fun. But I was just like, what is this? And I remember like, so this is a kid who was like playing Atari and video games before anybody I knew. And then he came over to our house once when I was about like seven years old. And he he was like talking to me about like new video game systems that were going to be coming out and like what, what kind of what to expect. And like, he's not, he's like 12 years old or something, but like, we were looking at my TV and he's like, imagine like on your screen, there's like a bunch of icons and you just like touch them. And like, if you touch this icon, like you can go play video games and they're just like all on your TV. And he's like, and then you like, you hit this other icon and like you can watch movies and they're all on your TV already, like they're already loaded. And then you like, you, you click over here and you can, you know, watch TV. And I was like, whoa. And he's like, they're working on that. And he was right, like it would be years. I mean, this is probably the early 90s. It would end up being like 20 years before what he was talking about was a reality, but that's the reality now. Like video games today, like even console systems, like they're just all there and you just choose the one, it's a file basically. You're connected to this like online database of all the games you have bought and you just like choose the game you wanna play. Like you might not even have to put it like a disc in or anything. And then using the same interface, you can watch movies, you can watch TV, you can click on an icon and just switch between them. And so like what he was describing would come to be, and like when I look back, like when he was describing that to me, it seemed crazy. But now like I think of that, and that's just what everything is like. Everything is that way. Everything is just a bunch of icons that you click on and it allows you to do this or that, like it's on your phone. Like what he was describing is exactly like your phone desktop, your phone home screen. Oh, I, I hit this button if I want to play a game. I hit this button if I want to make a phone call. I hit this button if I want to, you know, look at the Internet, watch a movie. Like, we do all that just in our hand. Our hand. So, um, you know, but something, will, something else will come. And... I can't visualize it right now. Like you can see the obvious components which aren't totally separate, but are kind of separate right now. Like AI, the fact that like you can, this thing will generate text if you give it a prompt. Images, like this thing will generate images if you give it a prompt. You can generate videos to some degree with a prompt. There's also virtual reality. Like you can see where like all of those things are gonna coalesce into like one total thing. But where it's gonna go after that is another question. You know, that will become mundane, that will become normal. Like you will go home from work, put on your VR headset, and you will have a unique movie tailored just for you that evening. And, you know, I previously would have thought, oh, it's going to suck. It's not going to make sense. Like, there's no way that thing can generate a plot. There's no way that thing can create dramatic suspense or humor. But even just my one night of experience with ChatGBT, I'm like, you know, this thing is coherent. The way that it analyzed the shadow that it self-created. Like, I told it to give Christopher some sort of delusional dialogue, but it turned it into like a narrative. It turned it into like something that was consistent and coherent. It was still delusional in the scene it was portraying, but the delusion was consistent and coherent through multiple prompts. And when I asked it about the shadow, it was able to give me a sophisticated analysis of like what the shadow represents and how we can't assume exactly what it is, but it may represent this within that character's world. The fact that it's even able to do that in a matter of seconds tells me that it it will be able to create drama. It will be able to create humor. It will be able to create a storyline. You know that's not gonna, that's that's not that far off. These things just kind of have to coalesce into one, and obviously people are already working on that. That's all I got. Some AI talk. Again, I'm neutral. I can't stop this from happening, but I'm not going to encourage it either. And I'm going to be somewhat reluctant. I like the old world. I'm, I'm, I'm very much a product of the old world. But I am interested in this stuff too. You know, I am still interested in how this stuff can... I am interested in the way that this can appeal to me. Like me saying... I've been very bored lately. I've been very unentertained. And the fact that just a text chat with AI kept me thoroughly entertained almost all night last night. It was almost like a text RPG. I mean, it was a lot like that. Like when you think about the old text based RPGs, where it's like, ask about this. Ask about this. Pick up the key. There's a locked door. What do you want to do? Use key. Oh, you've met a strange wizard. What do you want to do? Ask him about this. You know, it's it was a lot like a text-based RPG where you're giving this thing prompts and... Trying to get something out of it, trying to progress a story, trying to progress. And it kept me thoroughly entertained. So there's no point for someone like me to, like, pointlessly protest this thing. Like, if this thing is going to give me a unique experience, if it's going to make me laugh, why would I not want to test the waters of that? I think you want to be careful. You don't want to go all in. But why not test the waters a little bit? Remain objective, remain neutral. I wouldn't want to be responsible for this thing. Like, I'm glad I'm not a programmer who's developing this stuff. I would feel this great burden on my shoulders. I would have a lot of questions. It would be a deeply existential dilemma for me. But as someone who's totally detached from it, you know, I don't mind dipping my toes in. And if I end up getting something more out of that than I'm getting out of other things, because I can tell you, like, I've gotten a lot more out of AI, even in my minimal experiences with it, than I've gotten out of Netflix, than I've gotten out of movies, even music, for a very long time. Because like, I sometimes think where I'm like, oh, you know, Maybe I should just get Netflix and watch things. Everything can't be that bad. And then my friend gave me a Netflix password. And for like a, an entire week or two weeks, every night, I tried to find something. And I ended up finding like two things that I genuinely liked. But the vast majority of it, I just right away, I'm just like, No. No. So like having an alternative to that, like having, having like a new alternative to that that gives me even more control without having too much control. Cause like going back to the Sopranos dialogue that was being generated, it wasn't like when I said like, oh, you know, Tony tells his crew that his son is now transgender I didn't say like Tony tells his crew that his son is now transgender. Tony is ex- is reluctant but accepting of it. Polly is somewhat dismissive and weirded out by it. Silvio is accepting about it and sees it as just a sign of the times. Like I didn't fill all that in. I just all I said was Tony tells his crew that his son AJ is now transgender, and it gave it it on its own. You know, obviously based on its database of of who these characters are but even even to be able to pick up on that even that it would, the fact that it would even be able to pick up on those patterns is impressive like that it knows the patterns of the characters of like how they would react to something that was never brought up on the show like that itself is crazy um, but I didn't I didn't give it a detailed prompt about like this character feels this way this character feels that way You know, it did that on its own. And it matched the real characters while also creating unique new dialogue that they never actually said on the show about those issues in a way that they would actually say them on the show. So the lack of effort you have to put in is kind of surprising to me. I thought you would have had, I I thought you would have to put in a lot more effort. And I'll probably spend all night on that thing too. I woke up and opened ChatGBT and I looked at it and I was like, fuck. I was immediately disinterested. And I I had this thought where I was like, I don't know how I was so into this last night. But then I typed it in a new prompt this morning and (laughs) just immediately was entertained again. So that's the nature of this stuff and in its own way this stuff is nature this land is mine God gave this land